Hi, this is Brennan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Lady Chow Fung, Kenny, and Adam to talk about The Deadly Breaking Sword, a 1979 film by Sun Chung. Uh, this movie stars Ti Lung, Alexander Fu Shung, uh, Shi Su, and Ku Fung, and Michael Chan, uh, as well as a small role by uh, Lily Lee Lili. And I don't know how... Uh, it's it's sort of an interesting movie. We'll get into what people think of the film, but it's 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 basically about an arrogant swordsman who is dashing and and sort of you know well dressed and very eccentric in that he always brings a coffin to his duels and embeds an inch of his sword into his enemies. And the film starts out with a duel that goes awry, where the the you know you see he embeds his sword in the guy and the guy escapes and goes to a doctor and then. The whole uh, rest of the film is him getting bound up with this uh, courtesan and a gambling hall guard, and there's a backstory where the the gambling hall guard or the the, the courtesan uh, it has a grudge with the doctor who cures the guy that he had a duel with, and they end up uh, settling that grudge over the course of the film. Uh, I think that's it's a sort of a sloppy <laughs> assessment of it, but but that's basically the plot. What did you guys think of the movie? <laughs> um, I enjoyed it. I I think um, I I quite enjoyed how all the different sort of threads like were were very entirely separate, but then yeah they sort of meet together in parts, and then yeah ultimately they wove uh, wove its way to the conclusion to the ending of the story. There and I I I what I really enjoyed about it is just sort of the hints that everybody in the story in 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 the, in the movie had their own sort of story that you can sort of make guesses at. They all had their own you know uh, uh, life story um, and yeah experiences and I I, I just enjoyed the fact that you could get the hint of the wider world through it. I like the movie. I think it was a little convoluted in some points but I did like it um, I think that the characters were so real and grounded in the way that like Kenny said they all had some kind of backstory that come comes to light and we get to see a little bit of it and we really don't know who the worst person is in the movie until really the end there's really no true villain in this movie in my opinion it's just that everybody has their faults and everyone's done some really bad things. And um, it's just, yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with everyone else as far as that goes. It's definitely a, a there, I mean, there's, it's one of those movies that if you were to try and judge it based on like how you're supposed to arrange a screenplay, it's kind of a jumbled mess, but it works. It's one of those cases of kind of breaking the rules, but it, it came together in an entertaining fashion for me. I think, cause, I think because the characters are so strong in this that you, you stay entertained even though you're not really clear where the story's going or even, you know, for the first half of the movie, I wasn't even quite sure what the story was exactly. It was just these characters kind of interacting with each other. And, uh, yeah, and it's interesting about, you know, is there a villain to the movie because the... The, uh, the character who's ultimately revealed as the villain did do the bad thing he's supposed to do, but it seems like in a lot of other regards he's actually a pretty decent guy a lot of the time, too. So he's he's definitely someone who's done something bad, but whether he's a villain exactly, I don't know. It's a, it's a complicated question. Yeah, and uh, so, yeah, my, my it's funny. my When I first watched the movie the other day, number one, I realized I'd already seen the movie, but I had forgotten m most of the plot details. And it kind of, like I must have seen the film and then just kind of put it in a drawer somewhere and not really, um, not really thought much of it since then. Because uh, all of the things that come up in the movie, I was sort of aware of them before they happened. Uh, but the first time I saw it this week, I was so focused on the plot, I didn't enjoy myself that much. And I think it's exactly kind of what you're talking about, Adam. Uh, mm -hmm. And then the second time I saw it, I focused a lot more on the characters, and I had a good time. So I think I think this is the kind of movie where you kind of have to <laughs> you have to let the characters do the work, 
and, and not worry about the plot because really the plot the plot is kind of this really simple thing that all just kind of comes together in the end it seems like it's yeah um, like like it, it it's, it's you know there, there's this launching point at the beginning and there is also kind of a really nice sense of closure to the movie i think where it opens with the duel between these two men and closes with the duel between them um and so that was kind of sort of a nice closing but but a lot of the plot threads are uh they're sort of it almost feels like they're held in abeyance until all the characters do the things that they want them to do and then the movie comes to a close yeah because i mean the movie it, it almost feels like it's a confusing movie but once you know what's going on there's nothing complicated about yeah. it at all it's 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 a very simple plot it's just it takes a while to kind of coalesce. It's so simple. I I think I was confused by it because I was expecting more <laughs> complexity. I, yeah, you know, yeah. Like, like I, I was like, well, wait, why did he end up agreeing to actually go kill the doctor in the end? Where when when he when at first he he was, uh, you know, he, he came to believe that the doctor wasn't responsible, and and it was it was a yeah. very straightforward path, but it was so straightforward that I uh, I, I was almost a little bit confused by it. Yeah, when she when she sets up the story about the doctor, then I expected the doctor to have some counter story, but everything she said was just true. It's like, yeah, he fools he fools people into thinking it's not true, but no, there's 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 no other second layer that's going and, to be revealed. And I figured that she would at least have a layer. Like she would have there would be more depth to her story. Like like mm-hmm. she, you know, she would say, "Okay, well that's not exactly what happened. This is you know, but but yeah. there was none of that." And so and I was just confused by its absence. Um, but, 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 but in the end, you know, I, it was, it was, an, it was an enjoyable film. You just have to kind of, it's one of these films where you do have to kind of realize, okay, the, they're just going to be hanging out at this gambling hall and this brothel for the whole movie. And <laughs> it's all about the characters. It's all about just the characters being the, their, their quirky selves. And, 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 and if, uh, if you don't enjoy the characters, you won't enjoy the film. I think, I think that's, yeah, uh, that's true. uh, uh, an important point um and so i don't know i guess we could go through the characters that would be one way to sort of assess the film since it's a character-based movie uh so the first film is uh tuan chang ching uh the Lung character whose nickname is deadly breaking sword and he kind of has this you know i i think dashing is the right word to describe him but but almost to the point of being ridiculous i think yeah um he's a bit over the top yeah, yeah, suave is what they're trying to go for, right? Yeah, he's very suave and just yeah. a little bit too mm. impeccable in everything he does. Um, and he always, you know, he always purchases coffins for his enemies, which is a, I mean, this is a flourish that you see a lot in the genre, but I, I, I love when people show up with a coffin that they're intending to put somebody in. And he kind of does it as a courtesy. Like, I think it's, it's arrogance and courtesy coming together uh, <laughs> where he, you know, he's, he's obviously confident that he's going to win the fight, but he, he, you know, he's at least giving you a good burial. Um, and, uh, and and the other, but the other thing he does, and I have some questions about this technique, is whenever he kills an enemy, he leaves an inch of his sword embedded in them for some reason. And so he's got this broken sword. That's why it's the deadly breaking sword. But but we see him have like what two or three duels over the course of the film, and he leaves like a good sized piece of sword like that, you know, in each foe. But but we're led to believe that he's had countless duels. So my question is, is he just been leaving tinier pieces in everybody, or does he change his sword when it reaches a certain point? Like, uh, it could have been a really long sword to start. It was kind yeah, of like one a of ridiculously those, long. Sword. Yeah, those crazy anime type swords. That, like uh... an eight foot long giant <laughs> sword. <laughs> I, I, I one thing I thought would have been cooler about the film is if the sword was really short by the time the film started. I thought that would have been. I was thinking that would be cool too, but uh, I don't know. Well, it's funny too because the whole the whole issue of length of weapons gets brought up in the final scene too. But you know, so it would have been interesting if his weapon had gotten shorter. But I don't know. <laughs> I mean, his reasoning was that his mastery of the sword allowed him to snap off a part of it whenever he killed someone, right? And <laughs> I don't know. It's just like I, I feel like you know. It, but to, to be fair, like there's not, nothing about his sword was like 
implied to be special in any way other than the fact that he broke off pieces of it so yeah. now maybe maybe you know after every fight he finds a blacksmith and then the blacksmith <laughs> just like adds on a few more inches that could just... be it he's just, yeah he's just adding that 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 inch to to dislodge each time but uh yeah he has he has it added but he also has just make it so it'll break off just a little bit easy that's that's funny uh he has it specially made to break off yeah. But the sword's also quite cool in that it has a really elaborate sort of, um, almost like an engraved scabbard it looked like. It was a little hard to see exactly what was going on with it. But he fights mainly with it in the scabbard. And so you kind of, you know. Until he's ready to kill. Yeah, yeah. He only takes it out when he's ready to kill. And presumably if the opponent's even worthy of his time. And uh, and so, I don't know. It's just He just has this very calm style about him that really works. I thought T. Lung did a good job with him. Um but uh, but then I guess that brings us to the Alexander Fu Shung character, uh, Zhao Dao, uh, who fights with a dagger that's sort of similar. He's got it's got like a really long scabbard, uh, but it's like a piece of bamboo or something. And he uh, and and for for the first half of the movie, you just think he's walking around clubbing people. Um, and he's he's uncouth. He's a he's a gambling fiend, and he ends up uh, getting uh, losing his freedom at a gambling hall. Uh, when a woman played by Lily Lee Lily, uh, what was her name? Lua Jinhua, I think. Yeah. She, she, I think she's in love with him, and and she gets. She is. Her, is that what it is? Yeah. So she's in love with him. She's and she, in love with him, and she wants to have a husband, mm-hmm. and so she um, has her uncle help trick him, help trick uh, Alexander Fushuk's character into. Um, this contract where they end up where he ends up living at the brothel so that she continuously tries to lose his money so he can't get out of it and uh, and and his defining feature is he he only cares about gold and nothing else like not like like at one point a uh, a courtesan offers to pay him was it like 500 tails or something to or 100 tails to, to to perform a job and he says well for that money I'll sleep with you and so, like, he just, he doesn't seem to have any, it's, it's a weird reversal, number one, but, it, but, <laughs> but we see him early in the movie, like, pushing away some prostitutes because he's on his way to the gambling hall, and it's like he doesn't want to be distracted. So he's just all about the gambling, all about the money, um, and, and to, to the point of, like, all, he's almost got, like, a nerdy obsession about it. He builds a, uh, he builds a custom chest for all the tales that he needs to collect to, to buy his freedom, um. Which again, I was wondering how much that cost him to buy because it seems like a. Uh, it's, Maybe it's found wood, reclaimed wood that he found somewhere. That's true, but he but he still had to have Fair, it put like, together. I, what was that? I was gonna say like usually like in when they give people towels, they they're in a tray of like each. They all like have indented trays for the towels anyway. So maybe he just stole them from somewhere, and like <laughs> and I put together a chest from like leftover crates lying around, and that's his like collection. But uh, but he's basically the humor in the movie, I think. Um, oh, definitely. And uh, and and so I guess I guess the question is whether you know, but 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 there's. Again, there is this scene in the film where, uh, so, uh, so the 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 Luo Jinhua character, she's uh, throughout the movie trying to thwart all of his efforts to escape from the gambling hall, and so at one point she tricks him into to buying uh, uh, like an I think it was like an ivory statue that he believes is worth more than it is, and it turns out to be junk. And and then when he finally gets some banknotes that's you know enough for him to earn his freedom, she burns them, and he reacts by throwing her into a well. And the way that the scene is shot, and the fact that we don't see her again, and that this film this this scene is never even addressed, it it looks like he kills her. That's. I, I mean, to Shadow's benefit, he was dunking her in the way. He didn't just throw her in. So there's some ambiguity. Like, he, he was holding her by the ankles and, like, dunking her in and out of the well. So I, I feel like there's a, there is a bit of, like, interpretation there. So, yeah, like you said, they don't address the the, the, what, the, out, the fallout of that at all. I mean, you know, is he now a wanted criminal for the murder of uh, Lord Jinhua? Or, you know, did he merely take a... Uh, the prank a bit too far and she's actually okay <laughs> well i that's the question and i i don't know what well, well so what what do you, kenny where do you fall on the like what, what's your what was your gut 
instinct on that one. I I think he just scared her. Like I think he he basically tortured her for a bit and then kept her alive. I think. Like I I think I he hasn't killed anyone in the movie. No, and in fact he was he 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 almost refused an offer to kill somebody because he was afraid it was an innocent person. So. It seems yeah. slightly out of character, but 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 again, the way the scene was shot, I just I I kept reaching the conclusion that she was killed. Uh, yeah, what about you guys? I, I wonder if it's just from the standpoint of it it being his lowest moment before he comes back as a hero. It's like he he kills her, he rides off on the horse, but then then he redeems himself in the final scene by coming back. So I mean, that's one way to interpret. I'm not a hundred percent sure on that but either. Do you, but do you think he killed her, or do you think that? Kenny's thought. I was... thought he killed her when I was watching the scene. That was my initial reaction. I mean, like I said, thinking back, I can interpret it different ways. I have to say that scene, though, the other, you know, that whole scene, I have to also comment on something entirely different, which is having that candle there, the entire scene, they're waving the money order <laughs> around. It's like it goes by the flame yes. so many times. <laughs> you're like, when is the money order going to catch on fire? <laughs> Just do it because you're driving me nuts. It was, that was, that was a really funny kind of device to have sitting there right well right it's there Chekhov's gun right yeah it is yeah, it's like it the is. perfect example yeah. <laughs> lady chelfong what about you what do you think happened i i thought he killed her that he you know he he dumped her in the well i wasn't exactly sure if he killed her i was hoping that someone would come back later and get her but, you know, to me, her not showing up the rest of the movie was a sign to me that she was dead. Or she, now, after Kenny has started talking about it, maybe she was just too afraid of him and the love wore off and then she just yeah. stayed away from him the rest of the movie. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I, yeah there's a scene of him riding away. Right? So, I don't know, but so my sort of headcanon here is that, you know, he, he, he frightened the hell out of her. And then you know he decided that you know he gives no shit about his uh, con his slavery contract anymore, and he was just gonna you know fuck off somewhere and like live his own life. Uh, I mean, to be like, it's it's a, literally a piece of paper. I mean, there's nothing like physically binding him to the place. Mm. It's just his sense of pride. And you know, when when um, Lord Jinghua, you know, threw all the quorum out the window, it was just like, well, it's fine. In that case, I'll just leave. <laughs> but not before, you know, just showing you a bit of like, yeah, you know, what I'm capable of. I'm not gonna kill you. I'm just going to waterboard you basically for a bit. Yeah, it's it's a. Uh, I, I I just found it a very sort of. Uh, uh, perplexing part of the movie and and uh and 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 definitely it totally changes the the feel of everything depending on which way it goes because his character is kind of the goofball throughout the film um and if and if his character gets that dark before the end it's just it's sort of a an unusual thing um what about the uh uh the Michael Chan character, Leon San, throat piercing Halbert. He's he's kind of an interesting guy, actually, because I he's he's sort of a villain, but not really. Like he's, I mean, he, he was. It looked like he was having a legitimate duel at the start of the movie with uh, with Tuan, and it it and and he kind of has a legitimate gripe against him. He got you know he got pierced him in the collarbone. He wants to get revenge, um, and he, and. And he does, and he just seems to express gratitude towards the doctor who heals him. So he's not particularly, he's not like excess, excessively villainous or anything. Yeah, uh, I didn't yes. see. Go ahead, Kenny. No, no, it's fine. Uh, I didn't see him as a a villain the whole movie. I just thought him as a opponent, mm. uh, but um, and a grateful opponent who trusted the wrong person in trusting the doctor and with all the hangers on that were at the doctor's house, you would have thought that maybe something was up with all these weird people hanging about. Um, but yeah, I didn't really think of him as a villain. I just thought of him as a, an equal opponent that I was hoping was going to take our, our character down to a notch or two. Uh, but you know, that didn't work out all that well. <laughs> Yeah, he was. Oh, go ahead. 
That's what I was just I was just to say like his character like I don't know it's it, he has um he plays part of a very typical sort of Wuxia grudge thing where yeah you know, it's it's like his own fault for like you know challenging um Tuan Chan Ching in the first place and then when he's getting when he gets beaten it's like you know. I have a grudge against you now. I'm just gonna run away, and uh, when I get a chance, I'm gonna come kill you. Yeah, it wasn't. I, I don't think it was. Um, you know, Tian Lung's character's fault at all. I mean, he he accepted the challenge, prepared the coffin for him uh, out of the niceness of his heart, and it, things just played out badly for. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh, I don't. Uh, I don't think Tian Lung did anything wrong in that duel, but I can understand why the guy wanted to get back at him after the duel. Um, See, I can I can turn the doctor and, and and throw piercing halberd into the good guys. I mean, all the doctor did was turned in a criminal. That's all he did. He turned in a criminal who deserved to be in jail, and 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 halberd was was just protecting the doctor that helped him. I mean, I you know, and I mean, and look at look at look at deadly breaking sword. He like breaks into a prison, breaks out a criminal. I mean, he's clearly clearly not a good guy. I mean, the whole like. Yeah, turning in um, <laughs> the, the the brother thing. Yeah, it, it, yeah, that's that sort of like yeah, you're right. He turns in the criminal, and I think in as a plot point, at the end of another movie, for example, that would be where the the smart main character turns in the criminal and like yeah, runs off into the sunset with uh with, with the with, with with the money that you know that the that that, that the criminal has uh, earned through ill-gotten means and it lives his life in peace. <laughs> well, well, the thing with that backstory, though, is that uh, uh, the, what is, what was his nickname? Killer Doctor, Doctor Gua. Yes. Uh, Killer yeah. Doctor was was like some kind of had some kind of sworn brother situation going on with, with yeah. the guy that he 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 uh, called the constables on, and he and he obviously just did it for the enormous reward, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and and we're seeing him live. The fruits of those ill-gotten gains at the, you know, because he's one of the wealthiest people in town. He's got a retinue of martial experts, and I apologize for the lightning in the background if that's picking up. Um, and uh, and and so, uh, you know, I, I think he's he's a morally shady guy to be sure, um, but he's not like you know he's not there he's not the the worst villain that we've seen by any stretch in these movies. Um, you know, he's, no, and I I kind of got the feeling that. Maybe uh, the killer doctor um, might have been in on his sworn brother's uh, dirty dealings. They were kind of partners in a way. So he turned in his partner yeah, to I get agree. even more money and then moved on to another town to hide. Well, and he knew where the money was, too, because the guy told him where he put his money. He said it was like in this bank, in this town, <laughs> and and then he gets turned in. And, and so, so, so the doctor's probably doubly wealthy. He's probably got the reward, and he probably found his way into that bank and and got the and got the money from from the you know from what i i think they were robbing places right that was the it was not it was not legitimate business because the uh, which which does bring us to the um shisu character uh uh what was her name uh lu jinyu or no lu yinju i think her name was the courtesan um and so she kind of arrives in town and she's this mysterious beautiful courtesan and it turns out that she's really there to get revenge against the doctor on behalf of her brother who was betrayed by the doctor and and so you know i don't know any any thoughts on that character or that situation i just find it amusing that you know there was only sort of one instance where she interacted with um dr gore as far as i can remember actually um it was when he when when she went to his house to uh to to thank him for his gift and mm. and and I I thought that's kind of a bit of a strange thing to do to be honest I mean it wasn't that many years ago I think when uh when when her brother was betrayed and in the flashback that we get to see like she was you know basically an adult woman at that point yeah. anyway so yeah I like do you really want to you know go to the home of your arch enemy and and like launch yourself for him and just say like oh that everybody there is surnamed chen and <laughs> just name your brother basically well i think she went because first off i think she went to see if he would remember or recognize her and if he did to say if she did then 
her kind of thing to say to him was, I'm here and I'm doing something about my brother, kind of like a double-edged sword kind of thing. Do you remember me? And if you do, I'm going to get you. The um, Yeah, I, I think she wanted confirmation. Yeah, because it, it seemed like she was fishing uh, when, she, uh, when she went there and she was sort of she was describing her brother and she was describing it in vague enough terms so that he was kind of like reacting and, and even filling in blanks. And it was, I, I think she was trying to confirm that it was him before she hired somebody to kill him. Um, but, but I don't know what, it, it was an unusual scene though, but he was clearly confused. He clearly recognized mm-hmm. her a little bit, but didn't, didn't put it together. Um, so I, I think, uh, uh, but but yeah, I don't know. It was um, and then the 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 other character that was of note was um, was the uh, Lua Jinhua character who we talked about. But um, but any thoughts on her and her uh, uncle and the situation at the gambling hall? Because it's kind of you know, the, I mean, basically, what what's the what's the location? We have a gambling hall that's abutting a a, a brothel, right? And um. And, and yeah, so we have the the, the gambling hall. It's a separate building from the brothel, but it's literally right next door. And there's like only there's a single wall sort of separating them. In the gambling hall, I think there's also like the money lending server, the pawn shop, basically. I think it was, and that's what the young the uncle runs. Sort of like uh, they they own the casino anyway, but they also operate a pawn shop within there. Because I think what what the, the the um there was the antique seller who was trying to pawn off his uh, jade vessel of some sort for in in the casino, and I don't think I think I think I think that was like an ad hoc trade that they were that he was yeah. trying to do, um, but uh, but but I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sure, and the uh and also notably the brothel the the madam of the brothel was Teresa Ha Ping. Who uh, Adam? I don't know if you remember our our discussion of uh, Chinatown Kid, the woman that was in the car that we were talking about. Um, yeah, I, I, I we really should do Magic Blade at some point so we can talk about her Devil Grandma character because um, that's where she truly shines, I think. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I don't know any any uh, any thoughts though on the um, uh, on uh, any other thoughts on the gambling hall. I, I I recognize the game they're playing. It was I think it's called um, uh, Pai Gao. It's just like a um, weird domino game, right? I'm not, I, I was trying to like work out like the rules from it. I couldn't really tell. Like they're, they're just like, oh, I got this many points, I win. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, the game shows up shows up like a few times throughout the movie, and I was just like, I have no idea what the rules are, and you know, all I can really go 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 by is whether they say this person win or this this person loses. Yeah, it's yeah. played in a lot of movies. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. They play. Yeah. I really wish I knew more about these games because a lot of times I don't understand the. Uh, the the wind like what the wind conditions are and I'll look at I'll be like and I'll think I understand it and then they'll put a domino down and I'll be like oh, okay I clearly don't understand this game um, and, it's uh, interesting like I wonder why they chose that particular game instead of like say um, you know uh, dice uh, yeah dice I, is another very common gambling thing I right? think I think there's something very visually interesting about the use of the dominoes especially when you have a comedic character like alexander fushung's in this one where like he's he's sort of using them as props to you know Mm -hmm. like like all of his fidgeting and stuff was just really working with the dominoes i thought Um, i think also too i mean it 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 has a plot significance in the final scene too because uh you know a character slips on the the dominoes mm. when they when they spill all over the grounds they do actually come together in in the final scene and have some i mean it's not really a fight deciding slide or anything but you know they, they do kind of matter and well also in other movies that you see them in you they seem to be easy to cheat with so the gambling house can take advantage of the people that are gambling hmm. that's an interesting thought yeah i mean like cards you can you can manipulate them yeah, I know that. And uh, now, now in terms of the fight choreography, I mean, I know it's it's. It, I didn't feel like there was a huge amount of fighting in this film, or at least if there was, it wasn't. 
it maybe didn't last that long or something. I don't know. But uh, what did you guys think of the fighting that we did have? I just want to know if um, if Lian San, uh, the throat piercing halberd guys, like revelation, um, you know, after his recovery, was that by t- but if he spins the shaft of his halberd, like he can create a bit more of a threat. Because I think that that was the only sort of new thing he did. Um, other well, than, okay. uh, yeah, out of doing the beginning. Actually, yeah. Before we fight, talk about the fighting. We should talk about that because that's like a really interesting point. It's reminiscent. I think what was the movie? The, I think the Bastard Swordsman is the film I'm thinking of. But he has this transformation at the end of the movie uh, that's a result of his care under Dr. Gua. And Dr. Gua tells him early on, you know, you'll notice a change. Like, something's you know, you'll be better. When they, and at first, you just think, like, what are they talking about? Like, itching? Like, he's going to feel itchy in the wound and the, and it'll scab over? Like, what, what kind of change? And and it's it's a very significant change. His, his hair color changes a little bit. He gets, like, these orange stripes in his hair or something. And, uh, and he just looks a little bit more... I don't know, like a lion-like or something. Like, he just looks different uh, at the end of it. And it's all, I think, due to the acupuncture that Dr. Guo is using on him. And so, I guess... I think there was a drink there, too, involved. Was there... Okay, maybe there was some kind of transformative elixir that he gave to him. But, like, what did you guys think of the transformation in general? And and also, what do you think that... Like like Kenny was saying, like, what what was the (laughs) upshot of this transformation? I... Yeah, I really liked the transformation. I mean, it was completely random and unexpected and weird. I don't know if it really affected anything, but it was just this, I mean, you know, in this movie that is a little bit just thrown together, well, it feels thrown together where you have just events happening. It's like, whoa, it just it just added just another note of entertainment to the movie for me, whether it really mattered or not. What about? I thought. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I thought. Um, wow, we're finally going to get our super villain here. I mean, he changed <laughs> from being like a normal swordsman to being like dark hair has turned white with orange streaks, full beard, and everything. And it's just like, wow, he's going to be some kind of superhuman strength, and it really wasn't. <laughs> no, and he and he was still kind of pretty honorable after the transformation like he was still you still see him like a like well-behaved man except for the circumstances that they were all in but you didn't get the impression that he was going to go out murdering people or anything um well to be fair like I, yeah he he did randomly kill the guy with the shield like the, the the sword and shield guy like who was running around like he he, he stabbed him like for, for i i for, i can't figure out why he did that <laughs> okay i guess yeah i, I guess i guess maybe you know i, I guess i i I overlook that. Um, so maybe he's a little more <laughs> bloodthirsty. Um, yeah, maybe he was. Maybe he thought that yeah, you know, he was interrupting his duel with uh, uh, Tuan Chan Ching. But it was just like out of nowhere. It's like he just turns around and stabs this guy in well, the stomach as he's rolling along. <laughs> well, they did establish that he and those hangers-on never really got along from the very beginning. Like, yeah, like there, there were, ne- there was always a very uneasy peace between them. Um, and and I think the hangers-on are also kind of an. The, the hangers on and the and the the sword spirits duo were were, were kind of this is again one of these movies where you just have the, the you get you get this hints of this broader martial world through characters like this but uh the the hangers on were kind of uh i don't know like it seemed like the doctor was was uh you know surrounding himself with martial experts that were on his on uh you know on his payroll in order to protect himself um, but they had quite the attitude when they showed up. See, when, when they were first introduced, I, you know, b- before you know, knowing the rest of the plot of the movie, I was thinking, okay, maybe those are the bandits that used to work together with, mm. like the the uh, with the brother and and um, and the killing doc, then the killer doctor, um, mm. and that's why they're sort of, sort of hostile there against any new people joining because you know, they have a tight knit group already. But no, they, they were literally just. Yeah, um, hang her on, <laughs> hang her on, people <laughs> around the doctor instead of being anyone like actually significant. Yeah, but yeah, I, I have to say it's it's interesting with Tuan Chan Ching the way he's so uh, so judgmental of Zhao Dao's character that you know that he you know that he he's just interested in money and stuff. But it feels like Tuan, it's like his whole th- it just it felt like all his fault uh, his his fights didn't feel like there was a lot of virtue to them they just seem kind of these 
fights for pride to show how awesome he was, which, you know, to some level, it's like, is that any more honorable, particularly than than doing stuff for money? I don't oh, know. Tuan? Um, yeah, Tuan. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I think he. I think he was full of himself. I mean, he wasn't. I mean, he was heroic in in some respects. Like he tried to talk uh, Zhao Dao into being less focused on money, but but at the same time, he was really focused on his own ego and his own yeah. appearance and his own. You know, and like I mean, like I mean, he he wears a new new outfit every duel. Like you know, <laughs> he, he buys new clothes every time he fights somebody. And and uh and he's and he's just you know this he 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 can be kind of a jerk at times. Um, Definitely. I want so. to know is how he makes his money. Like, okay, he is a wandering <laughs> swordsman. Like, he's not an official or anything. Yet somehow he has like rubies on his horses, new outfits. He even buys coffins for his enemies. Like, and I feel like he's not the type of person who would loot his enemy either, right? So he's doing something to make money. Surely, like he hands over like. What I assume is at least a thousand pairs. He said he would he would double um, Shao Dao's pay, right? So he must he hands over at least a thousand pairs and still has a whole handful of it left over. So he's like very loaded. He could have but been why? born into money. Maybe he's like a landed yeah. aristocrat or something, you know, who just is, you know, it, it would explain some of his personality traits if that's the case. Well, yeah, and he has the line about how, you know, he was born to be wealthy, whereas, you know, uh, Fu Shang's character is, is, is <laughs> Poor and born, shabby. To be, born to be shabby. So yeah. it's like he, he definitely that based on that line, he's definitely someone yeah. of some kind of high but, birth. But see, when he delivered that line, though, when I first heard it, I thought he was just saying, like, I was meant to be well, like, like I like I'm so good that I was meant to be this way. And you're so bad. You were meant to be poor and shabby. But you're probably right. Like you might have been saying, I was born into this role, and you were born into that role. Um, yeah, yeah. That's my, my was my reading on it. But uh, but anyways, to get back to the fight choreography, what what uh what what did you guys think of the of the fight scenes and the uh, the weapon selection? I I really enjoy the use of the scabbards by both uh, Xiao Dao and Antoine. Um, it, it it just makes sense. I mean, yeah, you have two things in your hands, so you're gonna make the most of it, right? And uh, and I think particularly Xiao Dao with his daggers, you know, it has a very sort of short threat range, so he has to use his he uses his scabbard to to sort of. Um, create opportunities for himself and i think that that was sort of very well reflected in 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 uh in the fight scenes i like the use of the long pulled weapons personally um i like the the design of the halberd that um was used i thought it was really cool <laughs> and um my favorite scenes i guess were the silly fights that um, were had like the first one with in the gambling house while he's drawing up the contract and uh, gambling away his life. He's fighting those three um, and he's imitating them the whole time. I thought those were pretty funny. Yeah, I like that fight a lot too. That was uh, that 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 was just some good slapstick kung fu there. I thought that was very well done. But yeah, the fighting throughout the whole movie was good. I. I uh, you know, having the halberd definitely, definitely did change things up a bit. It was nice to have that kind of variety of weapons. But I, uh, yeah, I, I, I just thought that the fighting in this movie was pretty solid. Yeah, I, 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 I uh, agree with Lady Chow Fung on the, um, on the halberd, especially the halberd versus the sword. Um, I, I quite, I quite liked that combo, and I liked the way that they were using the halberd. I liked the spinning of it. I liked, you know, it's, it's, it's that particular type. That just it just you know it it looks like it really hurts when it hits somebody you know because <laughs> it's kind of hooks into you and uh, and and it, it can be pretty nasty. I I I particularly liked it in the final scene when uh, after the transformation when it seemed like he he maybe had a little bit more uh, explosiveness to his to his attacks when he was using it. He seemed a little bit more on point and his and his form just seemed tighter. Uh, and that might have just been the actor saying, okay, now I. Post transformation, this character is is more skilled, but uh, but it but it but it was really good. Also, the guy, um, what was his name? Um, uh, Michael Chan. He, mm-hmm. he he did a really good uh jumping, spinning back kick at one point in the movie that 
you almost didn't see because of the way that it was like like I think it was one of these things where like the, it kind of flashed by but it it was a really good uh spinning jumping back kick and I thought I thought it uh I was pretty impressed with that um but but I felt like for the most part it didn't feel like there was a lot of fighting in this movie and I felt like a lot of the fights it was like there was there were occasional flashes of really cool style and then it would kind of get sort of back down to like a regular level if that makes sense um but I enjoyed it I I, I thought you know what you know the, the the fighting was good it's just that uh, uh it, there, there, there there didn't feel like there was a whole lot of it and um and I think I think that uh the the scene in the beginning in the uh, in the gambling hall, what, what were the, the the three bandits that came in there? What was their leader's name? Was it Dao Chi? Was that his name? Um, I no, I don't recall. But but uh, they came in and they tried to rob the gambling hall as um as Zhao Dao was uh was 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 trying to borrow money for his for the bet he was going to place that was going to eventually cause him to lose his freedom. And they interrupted it, and it looked like it was a regular thing, because they're like, you guys know the drill, give us all the money. And they were kind of doing, I think, like a, like he was trying to do like a monkey style. Monkey. Yeah, was it monkey? And then Alexander Fushung sort of imitated him. Um, you know, I thought, that, I thought that was a funny scene, but I also felt like I was a little bit confused during that scene initially for some reason, because there was so much going on. It was like a little bit too much for me to absorb in that moment. Um, but overall, I liked, I liked the fight scenes. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, uh, yeah, you mentioned your favorite reference. I, I really do like the fact that the, that, that accent of Fushan used the dagger in this. And normally when you see daggers in, in Wuxia movies, they're always being thrown. They're very rarely, or being used to stab someone in the back. They're rarely used in like sort of open combat as a, as a main weapon of choice. And I don't know, it just, it really fits um, Shadao's character. I feel like to have a, to have a dagger because it's just his style to sort of um, be tricky and get, get up close and personal uh, into a fight. It, it fits the character perfectly, and I think it was a very apt choice. Yeah, no, I thought it worked, and I liked that he he sort of had two options. Like it seemed like he could use the scabbard to get more long range, do you know what I mean? And then he could, when he when he pulled out the dagger, then he had sort of the short-range dagger. So it was, uh, you know, so, so he kind of had like a little, I don't know what you would call it, like a club or a mini staff. Uh, when he when it was in the scabbard, and then you know he could take the dagger out, and and so it was it felt like a versatile weapon to me. Um, but uh, but yeah, so uh, what about the um, what about the conclusion of the movie? Did were people did people feel that the conclusion was satisfying? It seems like, and again, I'm going to spoil the ending for everybody, but. Uh, it seems like uh, Zhao Dao is killed at the end. It's it's a little bit ambiguous because he doesn't completely die by the time the credits roll, but but he's looks pretty mortally wounded, and uh, and you know but but he was able to to jump in at the right moment so that Tuan could kill the uh, 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 the the Lian San character and the Doctor. Um, so I don't know was that were you guys number one? Did you find it to be a satisfying ending? And do you think? Do you think that Zhao Dao died? I don't think he, I. I don't feel like he died. Like I feel like he was just playing it up, and um, he, he, he 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 was fine at the end of it. I I don't know. I feel like because he, he he seems like the sort of like the, the scoundrelly type that that you know it's like oh I've been stabbed in the stomach and then after after a few minutes but actually wait that wasn't as bad as i thought it was and and then he just gets back up again afterwards but i mean compared to the wounds that duan was that had taken in that fight i mean being stabbed in the stomach felt, felt fairly, fairly uh, tame as far as things go yeah well the the at the end of the mu there's the music at the end of the movie where there's that song and it's like it kind of talks about their reputation growing or something i forget the exact wording but it it just it just suggested to me that you know it's like that these two kind of team up or something after this they become this this team that works together but i mean i i don't know how much you can actually take from the the lyrics of the closing song but uh, 
I, I can see that interpretation definitely. And uh, and that song, it, it kind of reminded me of um, the opening song in "Hero Shed No Tears," uh, in that it's it's got that kind of a vibe, but it's also uh, it's also sung by by Jenny, his wife. Um, so you know, it's a uh, uh, it's kind of a dramatic, sort of you know, very martial world appropriate uh, sort of theme song. But but I, I sort of interpreted it a little more darkly when I saw that. Like I because because the because the opening line in that song is heroes come and go in the martial world. And uh-huh. and so and and I think uh, there is a, there's actually some lines in there about the, the characters. It says the broken sword glitters like frost and snow. The little dagger begins to shine. The reputation is known everywhere. Suddenly a spring That's thunder, it. an uproar in a small town. Destined enemies will be met. Competition in the open and in the dark. Um it's it's this is very open to interpretation. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's... But, but the heroes come and go thing did seem you know. Uh, but also it is it, the, the, he's he he's he's wounded and he, and he and he and he says remember to buy me new clothes. And it number one it feels like a it feels like last words to me, and it also mm-hmm. is reminiscent of um of the uh you know his other character in the other movie where. He's got the sh- where he wants the shoes, the new shoes, and mm. and and so uh, disciples of Shaolin. Thank you, disciples of Shaolin. Um, it's my favorite movie. And so it's you know and, and and I couldn't not think of that film when I saw that scene. So uh, so I I was leaning towards him dying. I know. What did you think, Lady Telephone? You think he's alive or dead? I think he's dead, and for the exact same reasons that you do. The the lyrics in the song played to me differently. And the tone of the song made me feel like death. And he said, remember to buy me the new clothes to bury me in. So that kind of gave me the feeling that he was going to die. Now, now here's a question. There's a lot of humor in the movie, obviously. But would you consider this film a martial arts comedy? Hmm. I mean, like... uh, would you consider the mummy a comedy movie? I think it, there are moments of humor in that that cropped up as well, right? And yeah, yeah they, they were never really the focus. They just happened to be there to break up the tension a bit. And yeah, the character, some of the characters were just you know written to be funny with the way, yeah. the way they act. And then I, I wouldn't classify this as a martial arts comedy. Yeah, I'd, I, the comparison I'd make, it's like how, you know, your typical 80s buddy cop movie, you have a lot of jokes and interaction with that. It's like T. Long and Alexander Fushong's characters are both kind of funny at moments, and they're funny in the way they interact, but the movie itself isn't a comedy, I would say. Yeah, I agree. There, There's moments to, to alleviate the darkness of the rest of the film, but... Yeah, it's not meant to be a comedy. Yeah, and I would tend to agree with that. Uh, I, I ask because, you know, he, Alexander Fushung's character is is funny for much most of the movie, and so I just was curious what uh, uh if it, if it if it if it hit the point that it became a comedy. Um, so we're coming on fifty minutes, so I, I think we've covered pretty much everything there is to cover. Uh, I'll just make one more comment quickly. It's just that I thought. You know, for one of her early movies was such a tiny part. Kara Kui really stands out in this little role, which if you put, like, someone else in it could have been totally unforgettable. But I thought she just did a... She, she, just, she just really has this attitude that, like, comes through really powerfully in her role in this movie. Yeah, I, I, think, I think you can definitely... Like, you, you wish that you got more of that character. Um, yeah. Like there's a moment when her and the Alexander Fushung character exchange glances, and you almost are hoping that they're that that's going to become a thing. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, anytime Kara Hui is in anything, you, you, I, I think she's just one of these people that's so talented you can sort of see it a mile away. And so any yeah. role, it it's just observable, uh, and it's appropriate because next month we're going to be doing Kara Hui. So well, that uh, was yeah. my my agenda. You, you found it. And, uh, <laughs> And so, so yeah, so uh, so I don't know. Any any other thoughts on the movie before we head out? No, I think we covered just about everything. Um, 
Yeah, I, I would say that this the movie you know, rates on the higher end of of of, um, uh, of 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 the movies we watched. Uh, definitely enjoyable. Like 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 we mentioned though, the plot can be a bit convoluted. Like you you're never really sure where it's where where it's trying to what it's trying to do at the beginning. And you know, if you try to imagine all the possible like outcomes, you what wouldn't Im- you wouldn't really imagine the ending in the way it did basically <laughs> yeah no I, w- I would agree with that and um and yeah so uh next week we are uh what, what are we doing the boxer rebellion is that our next movie yes and so we'll be back with the boxer rebellion again people can uh go to our our patreon and give us support we appreciate it and we have a number of other uh shows on the channel that are going to be appearing we have the uh the the i claudius uh discussions that me and adam are doing we have the uh the upcoming brave archer 3 wusha workshop uh discussion uh so people can check those out and uh and yeah so we'll, we'll be back on next week and continue the alexander fushung month and then next month we're gonna start with a uh theme so we will uh talk to you later